Okay, guys, another episode of The Man Show. Um, we're going to talk about the... We're going to talk about toxic masculinity, what it is, and uh, why you should actually be more toxic if you are going by th- their definition. So, let's get into it. As I record this podcast with a stogie in the office. Um, So, the other night I was sitting down uh, doing some work. And I put on The uh, Darkest Hour with... I can't remember who the actor is. um, But it's about... um, it's about Churchill's insertion into the British government after or during the Second World War when that was kind of taking place because of Neville, Neville Chamberlain's weakness. They had essentially needed an attack dog of sorts or a guy that um, would fight, whether they really wanted it or not. So it just looks at him being named prime minister and why they needed him at that time. And why he was so important to their country at that time. And so I'm watching this and you kind of realize that if Churchill lived today, if Theodore Roosevelt lived today, if any, pretty much any great man throughout history lived today, they would be deemed as toxic. So these are the men that brought our society forward, that created progress, that created equality. I know that's a buzzword, but Theodore Roosevelt, uh, I think he brought the uh, woman's right to vote ahead, but he was a conservative. He was a uh, uh, one of low tax, low regulation, so forth. So you look at all these great men throughout history, and without question, they would be deemed toxic by today's standards. And if you're listening to this podcast, you likely want to be great. You have some kind of ambition. You want to live a great life, um, create a great life for your family. You want to provide for your family, protect them. You simply want to be the best man that you can be. And um, society, whether we're talking about the media, you saw that stupid Gillette ad uh, that's basically you know, kind of trying to label men or what men are as bad rather than just saying, don't be a jerk. They're saying, uh, don't be a man. Um, and then you see this, this American psychological association coming out with, um, what they deem as toxic. And so we're going to look at the American psychological association because, They kind of dictate, they can dictate policy, they can dictate policy, especially in publicly funded arenas like schools, how, how, like, you can see it logically coming to the conclusion that um, anything masculine will at some point be outlawed in schools. So fighting, roughhousing, competition, winning, losing, um, you know, all these, all these different things that are deemed toxic and masculine and bad. Are they actually bad? Um, Well, that's what we're going to go into. And we're going to go into their actual definition of toxic masculinity. And when you look at the virtue or when you look at the characteristics that they use, it's not all that bad. In fact, 
if you can take the different, um, you can take the different definitions or the different attributes they they deem toxic, and you can actually see them as good, especially two of them. The other two are actually really good as well if you want to win. And so I guess what's, what you're kind of seeing is a, uh, a social communism to some degree where they want, they don't want winners. They don't, they don't want winners. And by not wanting winners, you, you want everyone to be a loser. And that's not, I'm not trying to be, uh, like, got to be a winner. You're a loser. No, it's, it's just, you want to, um, you want the cream to rise. You want the best to be the best. You want to allow the best to be the best because that elevates everyone's, um, everyone's station in life. And so you can, you can look at this in a few ways. You can look at, um, you can look at, uh, uh, the academia's idea of the 1%, they think it's static. They think it's set in stone, that it doesn't move, when in fact it's very fluid. People are in and out of the 1%. People are in and out of the top 10%. Uh, if we're talking purely economics, especially in more free market areas, when you have greater regulation, which is what they want, you have less movement in and out of that 1% um, because it's more entwined into politics and more entwined into legacy and so forth. Generational wealth in countries like America is very rare. Generational wealth in countries or in places like um, France and uh, Venice, older uh, in older places with higher regulation, um, it's very, very prevalent. So what you don't want is generational wealth, oddly enough. You want each new generation to have their own opportunity. It doesn't mean you take away the previous generation's wealth and don't let their kids have it. It just goes to show you that most of the billionaires and millionaires we see are are self-made. And most, um, most wealth doesn't make it through the generations in a free market site. All that aside, you look at the American Psychological Association, they're really hammering down on the good, victorious virtues that men possess. And so let's just dive right into this. Let's keep this quick. Uh, let's go into their de- definition of, of masculinity. The main thrust of the subsequent research is that traditional masculinity marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression is on the whole harmful. So then they go on to say, for example, in 2011, uh, in a 2011 study led by uh, Kristen Springer, a lady, a PhD of Rutgers University, found that men with the strongest beliefs about masculinity were only only half as likely as men with moderate masculine beliefs to get preventative health care. I don't know why it's a bad thing. It just kind of, you know the antithesis the opposite of that is is people who get too much health care every little nick or scratch or whatever they go into the hospital and it costs taxpayers a lot of money especially in a country like mine like canada so there's good and bad at both sides i don't think it's bad that isn't an argument anyway in 2007 researchers led by james mahelik phd of boston college found that the more men can conform to masculine norms the more likely they were to consider a normal to consider as normal risky health behaviors such as heavy drinking, using tobacco, boom, 
avoiding vegetables, and to engage in risky behaviors themselves. Well, that can be explained by testosterone. Higher testosterone levels mean you're going to be more prone to risk. More prone to risk meaning you're probably going to build a more successful business, meaning you're probably going to live more, you're probably going to take more chances. So again, not a bad thing. Um, They also conveniently look at... um, Suicide rates, women attempt suicide more than men. Men are more successful at it because we're more violent. But they just look at the, um, they just look at uh, who, who commits more suicide. And uh, suicide's on the rise. So the more open we become, the more we talk about our feelings and issues and all this stuff, the less masculine become, we become, the more suicide occurs in our society. Um, there's another point I was going to make, but I forget what the point was. Hmm. So let's look at the virtues. Let's look at what they deem as toxic. And this definition is kind of what the Gillette ad played off of and what um, other idiots are talking about too. The first thing they list, oddly enough, is stoicism. So stoicism is pretty much the best antidote to depression and suicide you could possibly find uh, as far as a philosophy. And yet they are seeing it as uh, the uh, shutting off of emotions. Well, stoicism is simply not letting your emotions rule your life. It's not giving more credence to an emotion than uh, needs to be given. So, um, the dictionary defines stoicism in part as the endurance of pain or hardship without the display of feelings uh, and with, with, without the display of feelings and without complaints. So basically, you're not complaining. You're not whining. You're not bitching, moaning, whatever. Um, stoicism, again, you will not have a happy, successful life if you are, if you don't prescribe to some form of stoicism, if you don't, if you don't adopt that philosophy. Uh, stoicism is not, is, is making the best of a situation. It is not letting your emotions rule you. Emotions more often than not are lies. They're not truth. The second um, virtue, I call them virtues, they call them whatever, uh, characteristics. The second virtue is competitiveness. So competitiveness. I don't understand how competitiveness is bad. Uh, We would literally be in caves if it were not for a competition. You do not reach your potential if you are not competitive. You do not provide for your family if you're not in some way competitive. You do not make the best life for yourself if you're not in some way competitive. I don't even know how that's that's kind of confined to men. Women are very competitive. There's nothing wrong with being competitive. Com- competition should be fostered, not suppressed. So you're seeing the American Psychological Association, again, these are characteristics they want to get out of school systems so boys do not become men so boys do not act masculine now we get into the two that you can make an argument are bad but i see them as good dominance so dominance oh of course dominance is bad the thing is why are you participating in anything if not to be dominant if not to win it doesn't really make any sense uh charles bukowski has a great poem i wish i had it here with me i have it written uh, upstairs um, just about giving your all. If you do something, uh, give it your all. That is the attempt to be dominant. Michael Jordan was certainly dominant. Do we not appreciate 
the sheer beauty of that man playing basketball. It was amazing watching that guy play basketball and dominate and crush his competition. Um, you want to, to aspire for dominance if you're aspiring for everything. And I wrote an article about this. I'll put more in the description, but uh, I wrote this in the article. Um, that they deem dominance a negative attribute makes me think of this quote taken from Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who isn't actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end that the triumph of high, who at best knows in the end the tri- triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, while aspiring for dominance, one would say. So that is his place. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. So, let them criticize. While you're in the arena amongst the blood and sweat. Winning. Trying to dominate. Finally, aggression. This is again a toxic, quote-unquote toxic aspect of masculinity. Put it bluntly, if a bad man is doing bad things, you need an aggressive good man to beat the shit out of the bad man. Aggression aggression can be a very good thing. Aggression in your own life, not just for being a protector and provider, is also the antidote to fear. If you face your fears, whether it's starting a business, whether it's public speaking, whether it's being on video and putting your name out there, if you face your fears with aggression they will the fears will cease to be fear is the antidote to aggression aggression used correctly is a very good thing and those who use it rather than suppressing it will defeat those who don't use it and we need more good men who have the capacity for being dangerous for being barbaric than we do bad men Bad men will always have that capacity. What we need is for our school systems, our parents, our moms and dads to foster masculinity, the strong, stoic, dominant, powerful masculinity that that brought our society to where it is. We need to foster that in our boys. We need to foster that in ourselves. So if you take if you take this podcast and you look at these virtues and you look at how to foster them within yourself, um, you're going to live a better life, a happier life, a less depressed life. You're, you're going to be less likely to commit suicide and harm other people because you're going to be a protector and provider. If you take these virtues and use them well as a good man, you will be a very important part of society and we need more men like you in this society. So with that... I actually have a course that uh, will sponsor this podcast called The Barbarian Virtues slash The 12 Virtues of Manliness. Um, I will put a link uh, 
under the YouTube video uh, to this course. It's a full-on tribe of men who are getting after it, who are developing the virtues that success demands they develop, and we'd love to have a party, have you have you as a part of this tribe. So. Uh, click that link below. If you're watching the podcast, um, head to the uh, website Average to Alpha. Look under courses uh, or training, and uh, or look under the article "The Best a Man Can Be: Be Toxic." That is the name of the article. It's the name of the podcast. It's the name of the video. "The Best a Man Can Be: Be Toxic." So that's it. It's a little uh, antithesis, a little different outlook on. Uh, From this toxic masculinity thing from a personal perspective by their definition it sounds like you need to be more toxic all right fellas get after it stay strong